Hey friends, welcome back to the journal feed. My name is Nick Zelt, and this is the only place to get spoon-fed the latest and greatest of emergency medicine where we want to keep you guys up on the literature, and to do that, we spoon-feed it to you. Now, if you were hearing this right now, then you are not currently a journal feed subscriber, and so you will not be receiving the full journal feed podcast only getting a portion of the past week's articles. Don't worry, they're all good articles, but if you would like to get full access to both the podcast and the blog, you'll have to become a member. All the details for that are at journalfeed.org. And remember, we never want money to be a barrier to better patient care, so if you're having any trouble affording a subscription, just uh, get in touch, we'll help you out. This is the audio version of the past week summaries, which this week were brought to you by our authors, uh, Doug Wallace, Michael Stoker, Samuel Rouleau, Millie Cosset, Christopher Thome and Clay Smith. All right, let's jump to the second article. Titled, The Effect of a Gun Safety Video on Children's Behavior Around Real Guns, a Randomized Clinical Trial out of JAMA Pediatrics. Now, in the United States, firearm-related deaths of minors has now surpassed that of motor vehicles. And most people don't appreciate just how dangerous cars really are. Now, without getting too political about guns, the most immediate and actionable step that can be taken to improve safety around guns is to improve how we treat the guns that are already around us. Of course, we can try to teach gun safety to children, but does it really work? This trial randomized 226 children aged 8 to 12 years old to get either a one-minute video on firearm safety or on car safety. That's a minute long. It's pretty well a TikTok, so very accessible for, you know, today's youth. The participants returned one week later and watched some video clips with or without guns, before returning to play in a staged room where they had two inert handguns hidden among the toys for the child to play with. The children who had watched the gun safety video were significantly more likely to tell an adult that there was a gun amongst their toys. They were also less likely to touch the guns or handle them for prolonged periods, as well as less likely to pull the trigger, all because of this short little safety video. While that sounds like a good thing, overall I find this study scarier than it is reassuring. 19% of the children that found the firearm pulled the trigger. That's just 41 children, but they pulled the trigger over 1,200 times, one-third of which were pointed at themselves or others. Now, undoubtedly, these children have seen firearms in the media or even at home, and they are emulating something they've seen before. You know, placing a gun with child's toys, it's just a heavy black metal object. It should not be nearly as fun appearing as a real toy, unless the child already has some concept of how to play with such a thing because they've seen it elsewhere, probably abundantly. Now, though children with guns at home were less likely to engage in this unsafe behavior, less likely was not that they didn't do it at all. I don't think there is any level of teaching that can make a firearm safe in the hands of young children in general, though it seems to help at least for a week. In a spoonful, when taught about gun safety, children aged 8 to 12 year olds were safer around a gun found amongst their toys. They were not perfectly safe, however, so better to keep firearms away from children in general And then as second line, you can do some gun safety teaching, which seems to be beneficial. Even just a short video, though there was no lasting effect showed from this study. They only looked at them a week later. And then the third article, titled Single Plane versus Real-Time Biplane Approaches for Ultrasound-Guided Central Venous Catheterization in Critically Ill Patients, a randomized control trial out of the journal Critical Care. Now, ultrasounds, they have really revolutionized procedural skills in medicine. 
Landmark techniques for most things, most things like central lines, are pretty well, they've pretty well gone the way of the dodo. In other words, don't use them unless you have no other choice. Ultrasound-guided central lines are quite simply safer. There are two ways to typically do this. You can do an in-plane technique with your ultrasound, or you can do an out-of-plane technique. Which one you pick is mostly down to your preference. But do we really have to pick? I mean, come on, guys, we live in the 21st century. Could we not just use a biplane ultrasound? We have them. They exist. Cardiology uses them to do 3D echoes and stuff like that. Pretty much any butterfly, um, you know, those popular ones that you can buy and have in your pocket. There are other companies as well. I shouldn't mention any companies, but now I have, so it's too late. Those have biplane technology. We could use those. And this allows you to have both the in-plane and out-of-plane views at the same time, so you can really see what you're doing. To see if biplane was actually helpful, these authors recruited 256 patients and randomized them to either have the biplane technique or an in-plane long-axis views while inserting a central line. Now, they used either the internal jugular or femoral veins when cannulating, and each procedure was done by one of five proceduralists trained to do central lines just a few months before. Overall, both groups did very well, a 100% success rate in both groups. None of the internal jugular group had arterial punctures, pneumothoraces, or hemothoraces. For the femoral vein patients, there were three arterial punctures in the in-plane technique, but this was not statistically significant, despite only having, well, actually having zero arterial punctures in the biplane group. The biplane group was also better at first puncture success, 92% versus 75%. They had fewer attempts overall and shorter time to puncture by about 30 seconds. Overall, outcomes were similar with the femoral vein besides what we just mentioned. The only complication that was significantly different between the groups was that in the in-plane group, they were more likely to have to re-puncture to redirect the needle which you shouldn't actually have to do. You can just pull the needle back all the way just under the skin and then keep going and redirect your needle. But whatever, I don't know how they were doing things. I'm glad this study was done, though. I love to see things like this because it's so practical. All this in the hands of pretty inexperienced practitioners as well, having only learned several months ago how to do these central lines. That said, after 50 central lines per participant, essentially, you'd think they were probably getting pretty good at it. Now, when I'm doing a central line, I, of course, utilize both the in-plane and out-of-plane techniques at some point during the procedure to check my wire, check my placements, see exactly what's happening and where I'm going. Making this trial a bit artificial by limiting any one group to a single view. I think that having more information with less probe movements would be a nice thing to have in almost any circumstance, and you get that with this biplane technique. Though I don't think you'd find any real difference in complications or success rates with experienced ultrasound users, since both are quite intuitive and really quite safe, you'd need maybe a very large study to find any differences there. You didn't even find them in this smaller study with inexperienced users, so it's going to be really hard with experienced users. Still, as ultrasound technology gets cheaper, I expect this biplane technique to become more prevalent and, you know, more accessible. In a spoonful, this RCT on central line placement comparing ultrasound techniques found that seeing two images, both planes, simultaneously showed some small improvements. Okay, that's all the articles from this week. Let's do a quick wrap-up. What did we learn today? From the second article, best would be to keep children away from firearms in general, but mistakes do happen, and for those circumstances, it seems to be that an educational video on gun safety can be beneficial. 
From the third article, a double-plane ultrasound technique for central venous catheter placement seems useful. It's not revolutionary, but it could be a handy tool. Again, if you were hearing this right now, then you are not part of the member's feed, and so you actually missed three articles from this past week. One was a quick question, which could help people screen for malpractice. Another article was revisiting blood pressure targets post-thrombectomy. And lastly, who in the emergency department gets sued the most? We answered that question. Links to all the articles summarized can be found at journalfeed.org, where the newsletter is the best way to make the podcast into kind of a bite-sized nugget of space repetition. Our goal here is for you to read less, learn more, and save lives, one spoonful at a time.